0: The following is a sermon from Pastor David Salinas of Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure foundation.org. So they say, they say it's better to be poor and happy than rich and miserable. You know what I say? Can we compromise a little bit and be maybe moderately wealthy and a little bit moody? We have heard it over and over again throughout Scripture, throughout our lives. Beware of falling in love with your cash. Beware of that bottomless of all pits here in this world. If I just had a little bit more money then, then I could make it. Then I would be happy. Luther was right, wasn't he, when he said that the last part of a Christian to be converted was his wallet. So we are saying amen to our sermon series how has it been for you guys so far? Good? Practical? Powerful? Some of the most striking images that we've seen in Scripture. Whoa! Hold on to your hats. Hold on to your seats, because we're in for a ride this morning. If you've noticed the title of our sermon series, we've titled it, Hard-Working Faith. And, and there's a good reason for that. The book of James really is a nuts-and-bolts, nitty-gritty look at the Christian life, what it looks like. It's what James is describing throughout his entire letter is what it looks like when the gospel rain showers down on you and soaks you and seeps to the very core of you, down to your soul and spirit, your joints and your marrow. And what that looks like is a faith with blue jeans on, a faith that is working really hard at overcoming the adversity, all of the adversity of the sinful hearts, all of the adversity against us to serve Christ in the various ways that he's called us to serve, to have his spirit and his mindset and his outlook. And that's why, for me right now, I'm going to admit this, brother, I'm going to admit this, this is a really, really strange way to end our sermon series on this practical book of James. Because you know why? The message that I'm about to share with you, that the words that I'm about to speak out loud and that you're about to read, do not have one practical thing to say to us Christians about our faith. Does that shock you? What we're about to meditate on is one of the fiercest condemnations in all of Scripture, and you're going to see this, on the abuse of wealth. And James in his entire letter that he's been speaking so far, isn't even addressing you. But, I want you to listen very carefully. Because as you listen in, this is my promise to you, that by the end of this sermon, the rain shower of the gospel will douse you and soak deep down into the very last part of you even that last part of you that needs converting your wallet, to the praise of God and to your ultimate enrichment. Open up your worship books, James, chapter 5. Now listen, you rich people, weep, and wail, because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted, and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth at the worst possible time, in the last days. Look, look. The wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. I think you're going to be very happy to hear what I'm about to tell you. When we start our worship services, usually there is something called the salutation. And uh, we can be part of the invocation in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Then, I, then, then we address people. Beloved in the Lord. Or many sermons begin, dear Christian people. What the salutation always is, it's, it's a pregnant phrase. It's pregnant with an assumption. The assumption that gathered before us on any given Sunday are the very sheep of Christ, God's holy people. And let me tell you, I, can, I know I'm speaking for Pastor Tim on this, but I guarantee he would say the same, that this truth gives us just such excitement to be able to stand up and gather before God's people and say, Boy, oh boy, do I have a message just for you. Oh, I can't wait to share it. As he's so fond of saying, like, why do we have to wait till Sunday to preach, right? We do because Pastor Sleens doesn't get his sermons done until usually Saturday night about midnight. Just kidding. James, all throughout his letter, has been peppering this pregnant construction. He uses a very endearing phrase. Dear brothers and sisters, but not in this case. Who is he talking to here? Wow. Who does he address? Listen, you rich people. Who's that? Who's that? Well, let's, let's say who it's not. It's not a man like Abraham in our first lesson, right? I mean, the man, by today's standards, would would be a millionaire, no no doubt about it. But he is not one of you rich people, because this man is a godly, Abraham, he is in that first lesson. He is a man who is rich towards God, and, and who happens to be lavished with many financial blessings and assets. And he uses it in service and honor of God, as we saw in that first lesson. You rich people are the people in this world who find no need for Christ because they can afford a brand new Chrysler every year. You rich people are those who are true believers, but not in their Savior, rather in their savings. And this is who James is talking to. So for the first time in 14 plus years of preaching, I'm standing before you And in a way, i got nothing to say to you. Because these words from James are not speaking to you. And you're going to be grateful, I am grateful, that these words are not speaking directly to us and that this message that James preaches is not spoken to us. But it's very important, guys, that we gather together and we listen in. So I want you to just, in your heads, in your spirits, I want you to step aside for a moment, okay? I want you to step aside because I'm speaking now to the rich people that James has in mind. But I want you to listen in very carefully because what James has to say to them does have something very important to say to us. You rich people, you are sick in the head. The Lord Jesus said it so very clearly on his Sermon on the Mount. Do not be hoarders. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where thieves break in and steal and where moths and rust destroy. But you've done just that. You're utter shame. All around you are people who have barely anything to wear. The peasants in James' day Most of them had only the clothes on their back. They didn't even have one change of clothes. Not even one change of clothes. And you have the equivalent of a closet full of clothes. And there you stand before your closet full of clothes, and you weep and wail, because you've got nothing to wear. And there on the ground are these sacks of shoes and of new coats, and, and these things that you could use to clothe the shivering, quivering flesh of your fellow human being, you are giving to the moths for food. Good heavens, you are twisted, you rich people. Because you're, you're holding on and hoarding this, the coins so tightly and so long that something that is scientifically impossible happens to the gold and to the silver that you have in your hands. It's rusting. Pure gold and pure silver is unreactive. It does not oxidize. It does not react to oxygen. But somehow, you've managed to have rusting gold and corroding coins. This thing has a hold on you, this grip, that is unearthly. There's no natural phenomenon for it. You're in an absurd tyranny and an insane idolatry. Brothers and sisters, now I'm talking to you. Aren't you glad? Because, shh. Look at verse 4. Do you hear? Do you hear it? It's the money. Crying loudly. You rich people, you picked up that, that gaunt man who was almost faint, who has a wife and children back home who are starving, and you told him to go work in your fields the whole day for a day's pay. And he did. This man broke his back all day long for you under the hot sun. And he all but passed out. And the only thing that kept him going was the paycheck to be on time at the end of the day so he could run to the market and buy food for his family so they could live one more day. And all throughout the day, his baby, his 18-month-old baby is crying out. But he came to you at the end of the day for the well-earned page, and you sent him away empty-handed. And even when you saw his tears of frustration and brokenness, it did not affect you. And he came to his wife and his kids with nothing in his hands and said, I'm sorry, I worked all day, but the boss didn't pay me. But she said, come back tomorrow. But tomorrow was too late, you rich person. Tomorrow was too late because his baby died that night of starvation, whimpering. But I tell you what, those babies' cries reach the ears of the one that you did not want to hear, the Lord Almighty. And the cries of that mother and of that father for their wailing baby reached the ears of the judge of the universe. And and because this man had no legal recourse, he just can't sue you. He's a peasant. He couldn't sue you for the back pay. He couldn't sue you for the, the, the damages and the suffering that you caused him. But those wages that you garnished from him unjustly, are rising up to condemn you. You rich person who have money to burn, you are going to burn with your money. And, and, and the, the clothes that you have there that you could have used to cover the quivering flesh of your fellow human being, they will rise up against you because God is going to take that rust from your coins and he's going to melt away your flesh and expose your quivering flesh to the fires of hell, and you are going to weep and to wail forever and ever and ever. Aren't you glad that isn't you? I am. Thank God for His Holy Spirit, and that He has spared us. And, and it all kind of, this last striking image, in a, in a book full of striking images. It's crazy. Look at verse 5. What is that? You rich people, what is that? That's the fattened calf, isn't it? As these rich gorge themselves on all of their wealth and all of their all of the defrauding that they've done and and scheming and plotting to get themselves, they've only fattened themselves up for their own kill. And and one day, like cows hanging up in some meat freezer somewhere or displayed on some deli counter, the rich people are going to be hung up like bloody slabs of meat on some hook in a hell's meat market and displayed in a hell's deli counter to be devoured for all eternity by the fire. Right now I, I'm with you. I am thanking God that what He has just preached to us doesn't apply to us at all. I'm serious. So so maybe you're asking yourself, Well, Pastor, what, what is the message for us then today? This is a frightful thing, and, and I agree with you. Can I suggest three implicit sermons in this reverse sermon? Number one is this. As you're standing aside and and hearing James condemn the rich here, the sermon that we are to take from that actually is a sermon of comfort. Comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. And just what on earth could be the possible comfort of such ferocious words from from the heart of Almighty God? Well, just this. That in this world... Brothers and sisters in Christ are going to suffer all kinds of injustices, financial and economic injustices. They're going to suffer all kinds of bad things at the hands of other people. But God hears your cries, and he will right every wrong. And so you don't have to. The message of God as our vindicator is one of the most powerful messages for you and for me to liberate us from bitterness and from hate and from the desire for revenge. And let me tell you, this part of the sermon hit me very much this week. Thursday, we had our ESL class, and one of the young women at the ESL class told us that over in her home country of Honduras, her cousin, who was 22 years old, old, was shot and killed as as a thief broke in, a bandit broke in, and shot this this young man. And so an 18-year-old bride is without a husband, and an 18-month-old baby is without a father. And when I heard that, I wanted to kill that killer. I wanted to, to dismember that gang member limb from limb. But then James's words spoke to my heart and said, no, enough of that Stop. Stop. Vengeance is mine. I will repay. And when I thought about that, and when I thought about but for the grace of God go I because who knows that I could not be some killer, you know, given the right opportunity some other place in some other time, I can even pray for that, for that man and pray for his conversion. But even if he refuses to, to convert, I, I can, like, you know, like the Israelite farmer who waits patiently for the autumn rains, I can wait patiently for God and his good time to rain down his perfect justice. So that's, that's sermon, implicit sermon number one. Here's implicit sermon number two. Implicit sermon number two. Asaph's prayer in Psalm 73. Asaph is this godly man... Who, who looks at the godless rich and he's jealous of them because he sees them, they're just getting more and more wealthy and it seems like they're getting away with murder. And you know how God snaps him out of it? He says it this way. He says, I, I, This all oppressed me and I felt envious of the, of, the, of the arrogant and the rich until I entered the sanctuary of God and I understood their final destiny. And so James paints for us this, this almost grotesque and frightening picture of the judgment that is, call, that is falling upon all of those who are these godless rich, abusing their wealth, abusing their fellow man. A- and the message for you and me is, is a powerful one. Don't even put your little toe on that path that's going to end there. And it works, doesn't it? Because we've been hearing this, and all along we're just saying, Lord, have mercy. Please, do not ever take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And keep me, keep me as the apple of your eye. And keep me from ever falling and following into this path. And the third implicit sermon is, is, is just this one. Even though, even though this message, this fierce message, isn't a message of repentance aimed at the godless, it is a message of repentance for you and for me. Weep and wail with me. Because we've all been there. We've all stood before those closets full of clothes and said, what am I going to wear? We've all been children who at sometimes have sat before plates of food and cried out, but mommy, you fried the eggs, and I hate fried eggs. I want them scrambled. Mommy, you put butter and jelly on the toast at the same time. And I only like jelly, or I only like toast. I don't like both of them together. Or in some other way, every single one of us here who lives in this country has complained that there are just too many bubbles in our champagne. And we have all saved up for months to put on a nice party or go out for a nice dinner or go on a nice vacation. But when was the last time we saved up for months to give a special offering to the church of God that gives away heaven every single week? Above and beyond our offerings that are supposed to be generous first portions of our income anyway. When was the last time We didn't just give away our dust-coated coats, but a kind of semi-new or brand-new coat to somebody who was needy because we recognize that God has lavished us so richly with our material wealth, right? Oh, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. now, now is where I get to have my joy back. And I get to preach to you a message that really is for you. I mean, it, it's, I get to reverse the reverse sermon, because that's what this is for me, a, re, a reverse sermon, preaching to people that I'm not supposed to be preaching to, and, and now I am. And this is my message for you. This is my message for you. Dear brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ, you dearly. Look at what God has given to you. Look at what God has given just for you. Look at what God gave to make you unimaginably rich beyond your wildest dreams. Look at verse 6. Look at verse 6 that verse is true all throughout history. All throughout the history till the end of time, the godless rich will be condemning and murdering the innocent. And in this span of history, God made sure that at one point they would murder and condemn the most innocent one of all, his own dear son. God fattened himself up for his own kill. By gorging himself in our sinfulness, in our greed, in our depravity. And by letting himself be hung on the cross like a bloody slab of meat on some meat market. And there he suffered the hell that James so frightfully depicts. And you are rich. Rich beyond your wildest dreams. Because of Jesus, you have an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, that no thief in can break in and shoot you out of, that no rust and no moth can destroy. It's kept in heaven just for you, just for you. And and upon you, the Lord has lavished you with a great down payment guaranteeing that His Holy Spirit... His Holy Spirit is that down payment, that guarantee of what is to come. More than that, His Holy Spirit is God's money tree where He's just growing upon you and on your heart all of the wonderful, rich, and lavish, and extravagant blessings of what it means to be a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and to live in Him. We could go on next week with James and close out the series with a practical look at one of the practical aspects of our Christian life, our prayer life. And it would be wonderful, right? And one day I'm sure we're going we're gonna to have a, a sermon on prayer, if God wills. But don't you think this is just the perfect way to end our series on James? Because this is, this is the message. God has given you more than you can possibly fathom. You see, He has given you His heart, His one and only Son. And in giving you Jesus, He has given you His heart. A godly, rich, generous, cheerful, and giving heart. That means you get to live the richest, highest, most grandiose kind of life there is. A life Serving the Lord Almighty with everything that he's given to you. So do it. See, that kind of life is the opposite kind of life there is, isn't it? It's totally backwards to the way of the people of the world. Live that life. Be generous with your offerings to the church of God because you recognize this is where God brings people from this world to himself and Heaven. Him. Be generous with those around you who have great need. Look at everything that God has given you and say, Lord, I'm not going to give you 10%. I'm going to give you 100%. I'm going to thank you that you are so generous in in giving me 90% of your money and of your stuff and only holding back 10% or whatever I've decided to give you so that I could take a part in sharing the glory of proclaiming your name and of your word. Live like that. Live like that. And be